0: Welcome to episode 196 of the Thunder Underground podcast, Trent and Jason here, and guess what? What? Matt Byrne from Hatebreed is also here. What the fuck? When did we get him? You were asleep that day. Oh. I did it on my own. Oh, okay. Gotcha. I, I didn't remember it. This podcast is now sponsored by Monster Energy to help wake Jason back. No shit. Well, Actually, I'll- this is sponsored by Java Ridge. Right. That's all I'm saying. I'm I'm saying. I'm drinking coffee
1: when we're doing this instead of beer, which is what I'm usually drinking. Right? What's wrong in the cosmos with that one? I don't Something's know. a paradigm shift in the universe, or something happened.
0: Well, this episode is hate breed centric, and Jamie Josta talks about the coffee uh, or the Java uh, monster a lot. There you go. So there's the tie-in, maybe. And Matt Just Byrne some... had a big old thing of coffee when we were interviewing him. There you go. Bam. So it all it all subconsciously tied itself back together. That's right. Yes.
1: Although I gotta say, you go in the evening to come and go, and their coffee isn't as hot as when it's in the morning. But I guess that's just to be expected.
0: Well, you would think it's the same machine that's plugged in. Why wouldn't it be fucking right? the same Right, but I mean, I'm
1: almost done with this motherfucker. Right. <laughs> so, I mean,
0: shit. Well, before we get into this, this episode is sponsored by D.E.B. Concerts. Damn right. That's right. They just recently brought Kicks the other night.
1: Yes, they did.
0: And you'll hear a full detail about that coming soon because we interviewed two members of the band Kicks.
1: Oh man, it was awesome. It was one of, one of the best ones we've ever done. I think, in my opinion,
0: that's cool. So that's a good reason for you to listen. Exactly. So yeah, we'll talk about that show here in the next week or so. But coming up, D B is bringing L A Guns back to Tulsa. Of course, on December eighth. L.A. Guns is bringing with them Junkyard, which is very cool. Bucket list for
1: you and me. That's right.
0: L.A. Guns is good enough, but then you throw in a band as great as Junkyard, that makes this show can't miss.
1: And our buddies in Grind are opening the show.
0: That is correct.
1: So, I mean, I I don't know. If you're not there, I feel sorry for you.
0: That's right. Unless you're Jason Carroll and Jennifer Carroll, we don't feel sorry for you because they're in Mexico during that time period, right? Yeah, yeah. So, you know. but everybody else we feel sorry for you. Exactly. And then, February 13th, Saxon is coming to Tulsa, Oklahoma. Hold the phones. Can you believe Saxon. That? Can you believe that? It's That's
1: going to be nuts. All the
0: hair swinging that you will want on stage from Saxon.
1: I mean, I don't even know. I can't. Dude, on on that stage, I, ju- I don't know. I can't.
0: Can't even fathom it, right? Yeah, it's going to be amazing. That's right. Biff Byford has been on this podcast, so go check that episode out. Yes, he out. has, yes. When they were touring with Judas Priest back earlier this year in the spring. But yeah, both these shows are sponsored by, well, I didn't mention on that one, Down for Five, and Mudflux Flux are both opening. Yes. So if you want to go to that one, hit up one of those bands, or if you're going to the L.A. Guns Jet show, hit up Grind. Buy your tickets from them. It helps them out, and you save a few bucks yourself. Yeah. So, yeah, just get on the Facebook pages, look those bands up, buy your tickets that way. Both these shows at the Ideal Ballroom are hosted by Eddie Trunk, so get out there, check these out. DB Concerts is also run by Doug Burgess, who has the D&B processing stage at Rocklahoma. Yes, and we just found out a lot of information about that on our very last episode.
1: Yes, he he joined us and uh and uh divulged quite a bit of information.
0: Yeah, so go back and check that out if you're in the Midwest and you're a Rocklahoma attendee. It's got a lot of cool info on it. Episode one ninety five. But yeah, more great stuff coming from D B concerts, so be on the lookout. What should we talk about first? First thing first, last time we dropped an episode was mm. on Halloween Day. Okay. And later that night, yes. on Halloween, <laughs> we went out to the Vanguard here in Tulsa. That's right. Because there was a a show that featured three bands, three tribute bands. We had headlined by Iowa, a Slipknot Tribute. There was also Toxicity, which of course is a system of down tribute. Yes. And then Bomb Track, which was a Rage Against the Machine tribute. Nice, nice. First things first, whenever I saw this, I'm like, this is fucking awesome. And then like 10 seconds later it hit me, I'm like, if someone's going to be up on stage doing System of a Down, they better have someone that can fucking sing this stuff and not just like half-ass their way through it. And God damn it, they did. Yeah. They had Mr. Burns, who is front man for Freak Juice. Yes. And yeah, absolutely. I, was, I wasn't I was shocked. I was just pleasantly happy. Or again, not pleasantly happy, just happy with how this turned out. Yes. Musically, it was great. And then he nailed, you know, everything is, you know, as well as you would hoped. That's right. That's right. And the system of a down tribute also did, they didn't stick to all the, just what you would expect the radio hits. Like there's no aerials or spiders or none of that. Mm-hmm. They just, all the high energy stuff. They had yeah. prison song, just stuff that anyone that listens to the system is going to know the music. Mm-hmm. So it was great, but I just thought that was cool that they didn't just go straight, straight radio single on that thing. And they could have, because that's what a lot of
1: tribute bands do.
0: Yeah. Well, that was actually the backing band on that one was the band Tom Boyle out of Tulsa. And the backing band for the Rage tribute was Blind Oath, who okay. we've talked about before and we played before as well. Gotcha. They opened up for Night Demon recently yes. and Vicious Rumors. Great new band in the Tulsa area. And Mike D. handled the vocals on that one. And just the same as the system, they pulled this thing off effort, yeah, effortlessly, I believe. Yeah, I mean a lot of great. They, you know, took all the rage tracks you know and love, and except Jason was in the back, kept screaming for the ghost of Tom Joad for some reason. But oh my god, I'm like, come on, dude! I that's did a not
1: no way no, you start, you start <laughs> fucking lying.
0: <laughs> but no, I have admitted I've said it on this podcast before. I'm not a huge Rage fan. Yes. I love Tom Morello, but I'm just I was never a fan of Zach Rocca. But it's cool to see a tribute like this because Mike D doesn't sound like Zach Dalaruco. So I'm like, "Fuck so yeah, this you, is great." You dug it, <laughs> you oh, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. There you go. And just like you would hope, the band played it great. And then followed up by that, members of both the bands that you know put those those two tributes on were involved in the Slipknot tribute. Mm-hmm. But the Slipknot tribute also featured, besides members of Blind Oath and Tom Boyle, it also featured. Remember, it's a disparity gospel, lizard police, constant peril, and Mr. Burns was in that as well. Oh, uh, okay. And I couldn't tell you who was doing what because obviously <laughs> it was a slipknot tribute. So they yeah. all had on their, um, yeah. their masks and everything. And they themed this around the early slipknot, you know, the early masks and jumpsuits and everything. Yes. And uh, all the music was heavily off those first two or three albums, I think. And I told you when we were there, my, they, they put in some fucking work on this, and this, yes, they this, did. This, they this really was done did. well enough that this band could go on fucking tour, and legitimately be an a Slipknot touring tribute band. You know? Oh, I
1: agree. They they were that good at it.
0: Yeah, and they. I mean, they had the the get up, down, full on, you know, costumes and kegs and everything you expect to be on stage yes. during a Slipknot show.
1: Oh yeah, they had the the whole. They had the whole everything you'd want. Yeah. It was great, and they sounded awesome.
0: Yeah, so huge props to all those guys involved with all three of those bands. I'm glad we got to go out there and do that on Halloween night. Of course. And speaking of the Halloween-style theme, a few days before that, Ghost came to Tulsa.
1: Yes, they did.
0: We got to see them out at the Cox Business Center, which I'll say up front is my only gripe about this show. Was that it was in, like, the ballroom or some shit.
1: Yeah, that was weird, man. And I
0: just, I've seen shows before at Cox, at the convention center, obviously way back when, when they used to have shows there. Yeah. And then in more recent years, I saw Neil Young, I saw Volbeat and All That Remains, and fans there in their arena, and it sounds fine, I thought. But then they put it in this ballroom, which isn't meant for music. It's yeah. just a big square room. And it just, the first I don't several songs to me just sounded totally weird and echoey. It got better as it went, but I think that's probably because my ears adjusted. Yeah. Well, but they sounded great. I'm just saying the room yes. was not meant for well, this.
1: Well, you know, you know I, God, uh, motherfucker, when I worked at TV Guide way back in the day, they had of their Christmas parties at this place. Okay. I and mean, that's the kind of fucking place we're talking about here. Yeah. I mean, it was just odd to me. Um, I don't know why they couldn't have it in their arena or some, I, I don't know, whatever, I don't know. But, I mean, as far as the sound, I mean, I don't know. I, You know, I, I don't have as trained an ear as some people
0: well, more um, trained in mind, probably if you're a guitarist.
1: Well, that's the sad part. It probably isn't. I mean, that's why. I mean, I just plug in and I hear distortion. I'm good. I don't fucking know. I mean, unless there's like it's really shitty or really something's really fucked up. You know, I I, I, know, I couldn't tell it. I could hear shit, but then again, you know, I don't know. Uh, there's also you know you have a whole bunch of beers like I did. It probably sounds like whatever you know. But, yeah. But anyways. I I just I I agree. It was just weird in that place. Um, that was definitely a first, and I don't know. It was just, yeah, it was odd. The, the, everything must all the venues must have been full up in Tulsa or something that night. I have no fucking clue.
0: Yeah, but the arena wasn't in that same building. Right? Yeah, so that's what yeah. makes it weird. I don't. Yeah, <laughs> I don't fucking. And I mean, they had the c- crowd to sustain that room. It's not they like sure it did. Was... Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this was the opening. I think it was the technically the opening night on the Pell tour named Death. Yes, uh, they played the night before in Dallas, but it was part of a, you know, like a Halloween show with like six other bands. Yeah. So this was the kickoff of them just doing their full, you know, full ghost show. No, mm-hmm. no opener, an evening with ghost type thing. And I mean, they did it. They played two hours, and I think it was right at thirty minutes. Yeah, like the fifteen minute. Yeah, yeah. They did an like an hour and a little over an hour set, and then came back and did like an hour and a half, I think, maybe or maybe it's the other way around. But yeah, um, but they, I mean, they they
1: debuted some songs they would never played live before, shit like that. Yeah, it was, was really it cool. was fucking awesome, and the, you know the theatrics. I mean, we all we all know what we're talking about here. Everyone's seen it. Yeah, I mean, it was just a, it was just a great show. It was a great event.
0: Yeah, they hit stuff from every album. Yes, and of course. They like you said, they debuted some songs from the. The new album that they had not played yet, and what we hoped and expected, right?
1: Oh, definitely. I mean, they make it more than just a concert. You know, there's with everything that they've got going on, and um, I I just I really appreciate that kind of thing, and I think it's needed right now. Um, And all their shit's catchy, but then it rocks too. I mean, fucking yeah! And it's it's cool when I love
0: it. You know, we've talked about this every time a new albums come out that they change their sound a little bit each time and you know this new one has that real 80s feel to mm-hmm. it and you know when you hear the stuff live you get to hear all the different kind of genres that they've touched on you know the early stuff was more you know proggy and 70s sounding yes and then the album bef- you know this third album was more metal just kind of metal When you, but when you put all the stuff together it just all flows perfectly well as well yeah which is really cool. Yeah.
1: I, and I like how they've evolved to, uh, or Tobias has evolved, however you want to say it, <laughs> it, it to a point where, you know, now they're, they're in, they're in bigger places and their, their costumes are different. They can move around. It makes for better fan interaction. Yeah. Um, I, I appreciate that, you know, um, and then, uh, so yeah, I mean, I just, I, and I don't. I mean, there's the, there's that evolution that most bands need to have to right. to maintain, and they're doing it. Um, they're doing it perfectly. I mean do, does does prequel sound anything like Opus Eponymous? Fuck no in maybe a couple different ways, it's almost like a different band. Yeah. Well, it is a different band in a few ways. Right. But, I mean, because that first record, it almost sounds like a stoner rock band. Yeah. In some points. But, anyways, I'm just... You know, now I'm just talking more about Ghost than the show that we went to. But it was a great night. People everywhere. I mean, it was packed. Uh These guys
0: are just on fire. Yeah. And they... Like you said, they've evolved. They've, he was smart about it because what got everybody's attention in the first place, obviously, was the fact that this guy's dressed up like a pope. Yes. And yeah. Their, their whole theme is satanic. Yeah. And it still still is. I mean, even though now he's a cardinal, but I mean, that, that theme is carried on and it still has the satanic theme to all the, the lyrics. But yeah. compared to the early stuff, he doesn't speak on it at all. Yeah. Live. It's yeah. like outside of the lyrics. Exactly. So, and that's the only way that this band was ever going to get bigger and to an arena rock level is if, yeah, they've got a satanic theme, yeah. but it's never brought up in the show other than just like kind of the look of the, the stage or show. something. Yeah.
1: yeah. Well, you know, and I've, I don't know if I've mentioned this on the show, on our show before or not, but, you know, I've read articles where he, he states that, you know, Yes, the albums are serious and he, there's definitely a, uh, you know, whatever you want to call it, a satanic theme or a an anti establishment theme. To me, I, I interpret it as more of a anti establishment, anti the man kind of thing. Yeah. And that's why I appreciate it. And that's why I appreciate, you know, a lot of anti religious stuff, but that's a whole other conversation. But the, he wants the shows to just be uplifting and fun and, you know, you know, the shit and, and kind of, you know, um, joking around and stuff. And they do all that. Yeah. They definitely do all that. And so that's, that's a very smart move as well.
0: Yeah. So, yeah, if you get a chance to see Ghost, check it out. I mean, I know they're, we've talked about that before as well. They're one of those bands that, you know, are pretty divisive with people. Some yes. people hate them. Some people love them. But I mean, if you, if you like them or you're on the fence, you know, the shows, Definitely worth checking out.
1: Oh yeah, you're you're gonna love it. Yeah.
0: Alright, let's let's play some music before we get into this hate breed talk. That's a great idea. Alright. We're gonna play you a band out of Tulsa, Oklahoma, right now. This band is called Alter Blood, and this song is called Insane. <laughs> Insane from Alter Blood. That is off their Welcome to the Alter album that came out earlier this year. I think it's long overdue that we play these guys. Yes. Because we had the band on the podcast quite a while back. Oh, yes. And first time we got a chance to play them here. Ryan, founding guitarist, of this band recently announced that he's stepping down. So hopefully we'll hear from him, you know, at some point again. You know, he's... Really push this band to yes. get to where they are. So, you know, props to him. You know, and good luck to what he decides to do. And also good luck to Ultra Blood and whoever they get to replace him.
1: They've got somebody already. Oh, they've already yeah, announced it, it? on their Facebook. So they're, okay. you know, the momentum's still going. So
0: these things happen. Yeah. We'll just see where it goes. Yeah. Yeah, so very cool to be able to play that song, Insane. It's got a really cool riff, memorable riff. I love you Listen to this whole album. I really love that the the bass on most of the tracks really stands out. It's one of the, you know, I always love when a, a bass line is separate from, you know, where it's not meant to just copy the drums or whatever. Yeah. And it's noticeable like that. And they've got a lot of, you know, guitar solos, even though it's, you know, just heavy in your face, brutal vocal music, you know? Yeah. So yeah, check out Alter Blood. It's all one word. On Facebook, look them up. The album's on Spotify as well, so you don't have an excuse not to check these guys out. By God. Hell yeah. All right. About two weeks ago... Yes. We saw Hatebreed and Gore. It had been too long since I've seen Hatebreed. I yeah. will say that, even though it's... Has it. Well, it's only been, what, two years or three years, but still, that's too long. Yeah.
1: Well, you know... You're talking about Rocklahoma, Yeah. I fucking, I don't know. It was like, I guess I was hungover or something, but I was not feeling good during their set. So I just went and sat down somewhere. Oh, okay. So I heard them, but I never really saw them. So this is really cool to see him this time.
0: Only time I've got to see him do a headline set, I think, was the... The time we saw him at the Rev Room in Little Rock, like four or five uh, yeah, years ago,
1: that was fucking. That was a killer show. Every other time has been that at either kidding.
0: festival, like Rocklahoma or Ozfest, yeah. way back, or opening up for, you know, Lamb of God or whoever.
1: Yeah, there was the time that. They came to Oklahoma City with Damage Plan.
0: Oh, shit. That's right.
1: And Damage Plan canceled. Yeah. Because they had a, fa- a family emergency. That's right. So Hatebreed played extra long. That's right. And, you know, all their songs are, like, really short. <laughs> right. So I was just like, forty-four <laughs> songs. Just, they just keep going, they keep going, they keep going. I was like, well, let's just go. And we'd <laughs> no. seen them play, like, 80 fucking songs already. <laughs> I mean, they, they were relentless. They killed it.
0: Yeah. Just talking about the show itself. Oh, yeah. I saw Gore a few years ago, and then way back when. And you know, Gore is fun. It's a cool show. Mm-hmm. But no disrespect to Gore, but Hatebreed fucking owned that stage. Oh yeah, that was Hatebreed show. And, that was that was
1: insane. Yeah, I
0: mean, I know it's two totally different things, but the, and you know, we even talked about that in the interview with Matt. And I mean, Gore is fucking the kings at what they do, yeah. but you know, Hatebreed is as well. Yeah, and and
1: they they showed they showed you why. Yeah. I mean, it was just a uh, crushing, relentless. Uh, it was fun. They all get into it. I mean, it was it was so fucking awesome to watch.
0: You saw the new Bohemian Rhapsody movie. Yeah, you don't need to see that to know that Freddie Mercury is the greatest frontman of all time. That's We've right. known that for our whole lives. Exactly. But I'll say this: Jamie Josta is the Freddie Mercury of hardcore. Damn right. And I don't care I like how weird that, that sounds or what people <laughs> think. It's the fucking truth. I like that. You're co- coining yeah. a new phrase, didn't yeah. you? Nice. So maybe, Joss, you can use that on your podcast if you're listening. <laughs> you are the Freddie Mercury of hardcore. That's just because he's one of the best front men in metal.
1: Yes, he is. He definitely
0: is. You know, he knows how to get a crowd going. He's relentless in what he does and all this stuff. But, you know, so to see that relate on the stage and like... You know, like Matt talks about him. You know, in this interview, it's kind of you know, you know him and Josta feed off each other. As far as you know, what's you know Josta will look at him or whatever. Yeah. As far as the set list goes, and then you know the other three guys are like you said, everybody's into it. It's badass. And if you're a hate breed fan, also look up Florida Frank's Instagram because whenever he was here at this show, he went to like twelve of the different spots from scenes in The Outsiders. Yes. So that was kind of cool to check that
1: out. And he, he put them up against the scenes in the movie. Right. And that's, that was just a really cool thing to see. Yeah. And I liked the shirt that he
0: wore. Oh, that's right. You know, I was like, fuck, I want to find that shirt. <laughs> Let's get into this. This is Matt Byrne from Hate Hatebreed. Right in your face approach compared to wars over the top, what they are. I mean, do you like those kind of tours where it's a big contrast like that? I mean, I obviously do. the music.
2: Well, I like um, yeah the the show the music it's all related. I mean, I just like uh, uh, a tour where the contrast is different between each band. There's been plenty of tours we've done them. I've seen other bands on them where you go and you're seeing the same band a five band package, a six band package, a four band package, whatever. You're seeing the same band the whole night and then the headliner so it's cool when you're on a tour or we go see a tour as a fan where every band is bringing a different element to the to the show right you know it's kind of cool like guar with the stage antics and, and you know it is metal music the songs are great but the visuals are all there then we're more of a stripped down band you know a lot of uh, audience participation i guess a lot of circle pitting and crowd surfing and all that stuff. You have Miss May I, who's a younger band, you know, I think they're the youngest on the package as far as like, you know, being in age, but also as a band, they haven't been around as long as the other bands on the tour have. So they bring a different element of more like a metal core, uh, more singing. And then Ringworm, of course, is old school metal hardcore too. So yeah, yeah it's cool. It's a good, I, I like the mix as a fan and being as a performer on the tour. I like to see a tour where it's different stuff yeah yeah all the heavy is covered just different exactly heavy, it's all you know, heavy and
1: you you guys are good at that
2: it's all heavy yes. but every band <laughs> has their own niche every band has their own uh trademark mm-hmm. you know
0: right yeah well it's been coming on two and a half years now since the concrete confessional yeah so are you guys talking about the follow-up yeah, has we're talking, discussed? I
2: think like, you know, two to three years has been our timeline usually between albums, sometimes a little more, sometimes a little less, but overall it's like, that's kind of the average, two to three years between records for Hatebreed, so um, we were, we talked loosely about 2019 at some point, I'm not sure when, you know, getting in a room and starting to hash out ideas or whatever, mm-hmm. uh, the, thing, the thing with us is we've always been a pretty heavily touring band, yeah. uh, whether it be overseas or in the US or whatever, so... You know, sometimes the idea is they're like, yeah, we should really write some new material or what will happen is a a tour will come up or something and, you know, it's a good opportunity. It's like, well, shit, let's just stay on the road because we're, you know, we're still getting the current music out there and everyone's having a good time. Nobody's burnt out or anything. It's we're road dogs, you know, but yeah, we've talked loosely about 2019 getting together and starting to put some stuff together. The, the riffs floating around at all yet or just, you know, uh, you know <laughs> not, nothing like nothing. I'm sure there's ideas in everyone's heads, but nothing has been gotten. We haven't I'm gotten sure. in a room and started like putting yeah. stuff together.
1: Yeah.
3: Yeah.
2: Well, well I know, I, you know, I've heard, I, you know,
1: Jamie's podcast. I've heard a couple of different places. Uh, the idea of doing it for the lines too. Is that something that is going to happen or if it did, what would you want to do?
2: Good question. Well, you know what? We've (laughs) joked about it over the years since we did the first one. So it's always been like, you know, it's funny because you hear like Cindy Lauper or something on the radio. We're like, oh, for the Lions too. We'll cover that. You know, it's like always been a running joke, but um, not even though it's talked about as a joke, I don't think it's completely out of the question. It would be kind of cool. Yeah. To do. I know Napalm Death has done it, right? Back to back cover albums, and they're yeah. kind of a volume of covers. So, uh, I mean, yeah, I'd love to do it. What songs we would do? I don't know. I mean, you could go way out off the spectrum and do something like Cindy Lauper or something <laughs> right. like that. I mean, not that that's like an idea that's being talked about, but, or you just keep it heavy, and uh, there's plenty of heavy bands out there yeah. to cover. Oh, we're fans of so much stuff. I mean, it's really just uh, throwing a bunch of names in a hat and seeing what's picked out. Yeah, if everyone agrees, we'll go for it. <laughs> right. But, yeah, the idea's there, I guess. I mean, it could, anything's possible. Yeah, never yeah. say never.
3: Do you
0: guys <laughs> ever bring any of those songs out in the set list? I know you do the Slayer song sometimes.
2: But. Yeah, we used to. We used to do it more. It's not hasn't It's been a little while since we even played the Slayer one, but that was pretty consistent for a while. The Sepultura cover was pretty consistent for a little while. That's going back a number of years. Uh, we were doing the Black Flag cover cover for a little while um i think those were the three that we did mainly um yeah haven't messed with anything else in a long (laughs) time it's funny i'll go back and i'll listen to it once in a while because it's not like it's listening to your own material but it's not your own material so so it's not like you're going back and listening to all your records but um i think you know it came out really good and i like the songs that we picked and um you know, being a fan, I, I thought, I thought, my personal opinion, we did a pretty good goddamn job of covering the song. So, yes, if we yes, do go do. for a, if we do go for a second turn on something like that for the Lions too, I, you know, I think it'll be cool. Yeah, well, we'll talk about you know, you guys have always used Zeus,
1: you know, and talk about you know what he brings, and you know, he must be like a sixth member at this stage.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah I think uh, he's been with us since perseverance he Mm -hmm. engineered perseverance he wasn't in a producer role or anything like that at that point uh and since then i mean we've done a number of albums and since then he's done a shit ton of albums in different capacities so um yeah he did at some point yeah he was like the sixth member of the band he's real frank with you in the studio he knows uh what he he knows what you can do and he knows how he's gonna try to get it out of you and um you would think that there's a comfort zone there for knowing him for so long but that that's kind of broken when you're in there working with him. Yeah. You know, he's frank. He'll tell you you suck, or he'll tell you you're <laughs> doing great. You know, no holds barred. But but yeah, he knows. Um, he's part of what shaped the hate breed uh, identity on record. I think mm-hmm. he knows how to get our tones, and uh, he knows what we're supposed to sound like. So yeah, yeah, he is Definitely. like the sixth member of the band, I guess, in in that respect.
0: <laughs> well, as a drummer, does he bring any elements to what you do that maybe weren't there before? You work with him going clear back the person very insert?
2: Yeah, I think so. Like he's, he kind of guides me in a way where if I want to be, he's, he's good at telling me when to pull back, I think. Cause I think as a drummer, you're just, any drummer just wants to go all over the place and, you know, fit as many notes into a little section as you can and jazz things up a little bit. But sometimes a part in a song just doesn't call for that. So I think his fresh ears on something, he, he can tell me, like, ah, you're doing too much there. Or uh, spruce that up just a little bit. You know, something like he can just tell when something's bad and when something's good.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah but, I mean, he does everybody. He did Queens Rike. I, I was. Queens Rike, right, yeah. That was cool to see. I think he's done two different. albums with it yeah. at this
1: point. <laughs> two Yeah.
2: Films, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and he's mastered, mixed or mastered so many different artists. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's funny. I'll hear about it when it's about to come out because he'll a post on social media or something like oh you did that record? I didn't even know that <laughs> nice, yeah. nice. Iced Earth I mean everything from us to Iced Earth to yeah. Uh Revocation, Municipal Waste he's done a lot of bands yeah, over the
0: awesome. years <laughs> Well you guys did the um, anniversary tour for the debut album so as a member that didn't play on that album were there any songs that you had never played?
2: No no, no, they, they were all played in covered. the early days of when you were there. Oh yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. So I've I've had two stints in the band. Uh, once early on in 1998 for almost a year, and that was okay. when we were touring okay. on Satisfaction. So we would play the whole album, right? Okay, you know. And then later on, I came back in 2001, and we still play a lot of the songs. Uh, we don't have. We're not a band with a set list, so we usually, you know, night night every night it's different. Every night's different, yeah. so I mean, we're not going to go too far to the back. So I think we have so much material now where you can't really pull something too far, like we something we haven't played in two years. Like yeah, just pull that out tonight. We'd have to rehearse that, but we've always been like we know most of our material where we could play it at the drop of a hat. Just because I think that's the, that's the hate breed way. We usually know what we're going to start with, we know what we'll finish with, but in between, it's more about gauging the crowd and uh, playing what they want to hear. And giving them the show that they're there to see. Right. You know, some pe- some people like the faster stuff, some people like the more mid-tempo stuff. Some people want just the the more of the uh some people want the covers, you know, you, yeah. whatever. So you, it's a good mix. We we do uh play something from every album, but uh the old stuff, I mean, yeah, that stuff's been played thousands of times at this point. <laughs> yeah. It's not a bad thing. Not a bad.
0: I mean, I've read that before about the no set list thing. Like who, like during the middle of the show, who's driving that? Is it you as the drummer, or is it Josta, or who's?
2: Uh well, he's calling. Jamie's calling he's out the calling songs. Out? Okay, so gotcha. yeah, I mean, we all got to know what what's what the the material, of course, but we don't know what's coming next. You know, okay. there's some there's like little. There's little hints, you know, that you pick up in stage banter or whatever, what song's coming next or whatever. I think you just naturally grow, uh, or you just naturally catch on to that through the chemistry of playing together for so many years and whatnot. And you kind of interact with each other and stuff, feed off each other. But, yeah, he's he's calling them out. And then uh, the four count sets it off. (laughs) Yeah. That's it. It's like Ramones. Yeah. Yeah. I like to... It's just one, two, three, four, everything. So
1: the, um the Seth Myers sitting in uh talk about that and how that even come
2: about oh man that was such a cool experience Yeah. <laughs> and I'm glad I was asked to do it because uh a lot of drummers had done it before me and and a lot of drummers have done it since I've done it so uh it's just and and they're all great players man yeah and Lombardo um, sitting in I think yeah. Lombardo yeah, yeah Josh Fries yeah. uh Kenny Arnoff I think did it uh yeah just I mean uh, John Theodore, Queens of the Stone Age, mm-hmm. and a spectrum of guys, whether they be like more R and B all the way up to metal guys like myself. Yeah, um, I'm friendly with one of the producers on the show who's in charge of that stuff because gotcha. he's a drummer himself, so he knows a lot of drummers. And uh, I think early on when they were coming up with the idea, he had asked me, uh, you know, if I'd be interested in doing it and whatever. And it took a while to make it come to fruition. I think over like a year and a half, two year period. It finally happened. At that point, I was like, this isn't going to happen. We just talked about (laughs) it, but, and he made it happen. So it was really cool. It's totally different from playing live in front of people with your band and playing these songs that you play all the time and knowing the material every day, you know, you're there for a week and every day is different. You're writing these different, uh, melodies and like little A and B parts and stuff for different parts of the show. And you're going off all these different cues. You have the stage manager, you have Seth Myers, you have the band leader, you know, it's, uh, the whole show is shot in like an hour, but yeah. the things, it's just a lot of moving parts and it's really impressive to see these people like work it every day and, and just, it's like clockwork, man. It's like clockwork, a little nerve wracking because you have to, it's yeah. all about timing. Yeah. It's all about the timing. You know, you have a guest walking out, uh, you can't their butt their their butt's going to hit the seat they're about to sit down and start talking so you don't want to end too soon because it's silly and then there's dead air you don't want to end too late cuz they're already talking and you're playing <laughs> over them so yeah it's like little things like that but it was awesome man I, I i had a great time doing it and uh i i uh i thought i did a pretty good job overall you know like it was weird uh, hearing Seth Meyers say, "Here oh, is here he is, the drummer from Bread." you know, <laughs> there was some interaction with the guests yeah. and stuff. But it was great. It was a lot of fun. It's something that really keeps you on your toes because it's so out of the box of what I do every night. Yeah. You know, I'm yeah. sure it's that way for an, any drummer that's done it. Yeah. But, you know, all those years of road work had to have prepared you help, you know, in, in some way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think, you know, just... If you've ever watched the shows, you know if yeah. any talk show or late night TV or whatever, you get the flow of mm-hmm. it. You know how it works. You know you're not going in completely blind. It's just okay. Now you're in the hot seat, and don't fuck up. Yeah, <laughs> that's really what it comes down exactly. to. Yeah.
0: <laughs> well, I'd say that article that was in Motor Trends. Yeah, that yeah, you did, like several years ago.
2: Yeah, the release the, of this album actually. Oh, yeah, was it was it? like two years ago. Oh, okay.
0: Yeah. And you've got the 1980 Camaro. Yeah. Um. So say you're driving around in that Camaro, what kind of music's blaring out the speakers? Nothing. Nothing? No. The, I have a stereo in the noise. car.
2: It's just like, yeah, no, you just want to listen to the car. Yeah. Yeah. I don't play any music in the car at all. Oh, yeah, I just love the sound like that, of it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, the car's so loud too. It's, it's a loud, it's loud, it's a beast. So, yeah, I just love to fire it up and cruise right along and just listen to the sound of the car you wouldn't be able to hear the music over the car anyway. Right. (laughs) And I don't don't have, like, it's pretty basic, man. The stereo's basic. The speakers are basic. So I'd really have to crank it, and I don't want to blow it up. So it's really just about listening to the engine.
0: I was really hoping you'd say Journey or something, but <laughs> most people <laughs> think that because
2: anybody who's seen pictures of the car, or whatever, and comment on social media, it's, it's that like, era. oh man, yeah. you must be. It's like Billy Madison, and you know he pulls up to the school in his uh, Trans Am, and he's funny. wearing the jean jacket, and he's <laughs> blasting like REO Speedwagon right. or yeah. something. Yeah, everybody thinks that because the car looks similar to that, yeah. so <laughs> everybody thinks, yeah, like you're listening to Journey or who you know, whatever, um, fog hat or something. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs>
0: What other kind of cars were you a big fan of?
2: Uh, I had in high school, I had a 69 Mustang coupe and, you know, bought it from a woman who was just trying to get rid of it. And, you know, it wasn't in the best of shape. And my best friend in school who coincidentally did a lot of work on my Camaro too, we're still close friends, but at the time you know, we're seniors in high school and he had a Monte Carlo and he was like, Oh man, we're going to pull the motor out of this thing. We're going to, I I got the Mustang. He's like, we're going to pull the motor out of this thing and we're going to do it up. And I mean, you're a high school kid. uh, I don't even remember where I was working at the time, but that's a total shoestring budget. I mean, (laughs) but, but you know, you have these grandiose plans. So we did, we pulled the motor out and, uh, got my hands dirty a little bit. He, he had all the knowledge. I was just a helper and, uh, you know, got the motor back in and the car was running and, At that point, I just couldn't afford it anymore, and uh, the winters in New York are pretty bad sometimes, and they're not good with a 69 Mustang, so I need something a little better in the snow. I sold it to this kid. It was heartbreaking to have to sell it. I sold it to this kid who ended up like sideswiping a school bus oh, and man. running it into a pole. And he lived not far from me. And every time I'd see the car drive through the neighborhood or just happen to catch a glimpse of it on the road, <laughs> it was more fucked up than the last time I had seen it. <laughs> so I was like, "Man, that's no good." I wish I had that car now. But that's where I started. You know, my buddy Doug. He was he was my best friend. He always had. He was always tinkering with cars. And he had a couple of different hot rods and stuff. You know, as a high school kid, just these beater cars that you would just uh, you know try to hop up whatever. So yeah. that got me into it. And the Mustang was like my entry way into it. And it wasn't until later, like with the Camaro, I, man, it's crazy. I've had the Camaro like 10 years now, but it wasn't until I had uh, like some extra money that I could actually get a car. Cause I wanted another car. I just had to wait till I had some extra money yeah. to do it. Now I've had it. I put money into it. I wouldn't put any more money into it. <laughs> you know, if it needs anything else, man, I'd rather just sell it and start fresh <laughs> with something else. Yeah. There's enough money into yeah. this thing; it's good. But yeah, it's a lot of fun to drive, man.
0: It's cool. A lot of fun. Well, speaking of when you're were young, were you into hardcore music before Hatebreed, or were you always a metal guy, or what?
2: I was. St- I was always more of a metal guy. I got into hardcore later on. Uh, I was. A- I was a thrash guy. You know, yeah, I was yeah. into all the early stuff, like the Metallicas and the Megadeth Slayer, all-, all the good stuff, right? Mm-hmm. And that's what I listened to, and that's what I learned. That's what I was listening to when I learned to play the drums. So that was like my main influence on yeah. stuff, just headbanging metal music. And hardcore came later. I think, uh, you know, I just had some friends who were more into punk or whatever. They they were listening to their bands. I'm listening to my bands. We knew about, uh, you knew about all these bands, but you never just really listened to them as much. And when I started to get into like AF or the Chromex, like, man, the logos were sick and the, the dudes in the bands were nuts, yeah. you know, and it was like another level because you think like metal, but, but you learn later, like I think metal came from the hardcore punk stuff. They just yeah. took it, sped it up and cleaned it up more and played it better more precise and added guitar solos and stuff. So it was like once I got into hardcore, I could see, oh, that's where all the stuff I'm already listening to came from. Yeah, this stuff, you know, this stuff's just way dirtier and way faster, and the recording quality is worse. But, but it's just like there's something so raw about it. Um, so yeah, to, well, to answer your question, I've always been more of a metalhead, but got into the
0: punk and hardcore stuff later. Okay, nice, nice. We're both thrash guys from when we were young. So, what's your favorite thrash band?
2: Uh, Slayer's my all-time favorite okay, band, yeah. metal-wise. Uh, but yeah, I loved early Metallica, Exodus, Testament. Um, you know, I was into Ozzy, the, all the all the standard metal stuff, you know, that anyone I think, you know, it's become so popular now. It's like, I dare I say mainstream, but like you're hearing Metallica on classic rock stations yeah, now, yeah. you know, and Ozzy and shit. But remember, at the time back in the day, that was the dirty stuff, man. That was like, whoa, does he worship Satan? I don't know. It's so crazy. Prince of Darkness, you know, whatever. Um, but yeah, all the stuff, we were all in the same shit. Crowbar, oh, yeah, you know, yeah. Pantera came a little later. I was, I was into Pantera but I was into the, the faster stuff before. I think Pantera like took that stuff to another level. It was they, they did more mid tempo stuff, but the the playing was more precise. They like bumped it up another yeah, notch, it, you know? Yeah. Yeah.
1: It was tight as shit. It was tight as shit and the production was
2: different. Like Vinny's drums were so huge yeah. compared to some of the other bands, you know, that were metal. Um but yeah, so I you know, I was into I was into everything that anybody else is into. Yeah. And I was also into funk music. I got into that. Um, through playing drums, actually, because I took lessons for the first couple of years I, I uh, started playing. And my drum teacher at the time was awesome, and he got me into funkier drummers. when I had never been exposed to any of this stuff. I mean, I knew who James Brown was, but he just started getting me into, like, Tower of Power and uh, uh, Kenwood Denard, these drummer guys, like Tony Williams, Jazz, Fusion guys. And that opened up a whole other world to me, too. Yeah. So I'm still a fan of a lot of that older funk stuff too because the drummers were amazing you a fan of the funk metal kind of stuff too? uh I get yeah. you know whatever not really but yeah I could yeah. I could see like it's cool yeah but uh no it's just I like the dirty funk Right. yeah
0: well, final question judging by where you're from and your hat, I assume you're going for the Dodgers. I am. Okay. Yeah.
2: Yeah. It's pretty, yeah. No, Boston is right. a no-no around me. But yeah. also, my, my girlfriend's from California, so uh, she was in California, relocated to Philly. So she was like a Phillies fan for a while, but really her roots go back to being a Dodgers fan. So I'll, I told her I'll root for the Dodgers, not only because they're playing the Red Sox and fuck them, but yeah. just because she's right. from California. So we're rooting for the Dodgers. Nice. Nice. <laughs> yes.
0: Well,
1: I'm a Mets fan, so. Yeah. Mets, yeah, he,
2: hey, man, if the Mets are on, yeah. I'll watch them. Yeah. He doesn't have a clue. My Astros are out, so, you know, whatever. <laughs> yeah, they, they are a strong team. They're a strong team. Yes, sir. Yes, yeah, sir. I mean, I'll watch I'll watch New York teams if they're on TV because that's what we get around yeah. my area. So if the Mets are on, I'll watch them. Uh, you know, football, I'll, I'll watch the Jets or the, the Giants. You know, if, especially if they make it to the Super Bowl, I'll root for them. But otherwise, I'm a Chicago fan. Oh, okay. For football, you know, going back to the days of the Super Bowl shuffle and all that oh, yeah. shit, yeah, you know Walter Payton and uh, <laughs> Jim McMahon, but um,
0: they look like they're good enough this year to yeah. They maybe started make off. It. They started yeah. off pretty good,
2: man. Yeah. They got some young talent on there, and uh, we'll see. We'll see because they've been mediocre a lot of years. I still watch them. I still root for them, but you just want to see them bump it up a, a level and yeah. get to that next level, you know.
0: Yeah. Cool man, we appreciate your time. Yeah, thanks, thanks, yeah, thanks. thanks for chatting with. Yeah, yeah. yeah I feel like
2: we've 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 hung before. Have we met before?
1: <laughs> well, I mean, him went through. We went through a meet and greet. God, like five years ago, probably. Uh, yeah, you guys are totally uh, four familiar. four years ago. I definitely yeah. I remember talking. It was to you it I was think. the one where uh, like right the the line ahead of us was some little Asian girl and she was going nuts and she. Literally jumped in Jamie's arms.
2: Was she from Japan?
1: I don't know. Well, it, it was in Arkansas, but yeah, she had a fucking accent like she was from Japan, or and she was going freaking ballistic. Oh, wow. And she jumped in Jamie's arms. And I mean, everyone's got to remember that. <laughs> so maybe, yeah, man, that could have been so it. So that's it where was. we met. Yeah, okay. That's where we met. <laughs> so All right, better. cool.
0: There you go. Matt Byrne from Hate Breed. Big thank you to Mike from Adam Splitter PR for. Setting that thing up, and of course a mighty thank you to Matt Byrne for taking some time out before their show to talk to us.
1: Definitely, that was a that was a great conversation, and it was really cool to to you know meet somebody from Hate Breed and get their take on things. And right, that was just great. And, and also, you know, shout out to Miss May I and Ringworm. They fucking kicked ass too.
0: Yeah, I don't even know why I didn't. Well, let's just talk about that.
1: Well, <laughs> okay. Here's the thing: is I've heard the name Ringworm forever. I've never seen him, you know. I mean, I don't mind admitting that, you know. Oh, I'm new to this band or whatever that's been around for a while. This shit happens. There's so many fucking bands, right? You know, and you go in so many different directions with your tastes over the years, whatever. But I was fucking floored by Ringworm. They fucking killed it. I love that guy's voice. It's like you know, it's it's brutal as fuck. You know, it kind of. I mean, it just it was just. I, I really dug Ringworm. And then Miss May I, I'd never seen them before, and it was wasn't really my thing, but I liked it way better than I thought I would. And
0: let's see, I mean, they like, they,
1: they 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 sounded, and their stuff was a little bit different than I th- than you know I had imagined it. So maybe that's
0: my ignorance. Well, no, but I mean, I, we, I enjoyed it. We talked about that, you yeah, know, way back when we had their guitarist on early on, bass player. Oh yeah, sorry. Hey. It's all good. Yeah. Ryan Neff. That's right. The bass player. Sorry. He, uh, well, you know, we uh, obviously at that point were pretty ignorant to Mm him. And so we listened to a lot of their stuff leading up to it. And I said the same thing. I was just like, I kind of blew these guys off as just being just some random metalcore band. But Mm -hmm. it just seemed more to that to me when I listened to them, you know, for that interview and everything. And yeah. And I mean, like you said, this time they, they're totally different from the other three bands on the bill, but they still... Put on an excellent metal show, and I mean, that's what that's the point. That's right, you know, that's right. And like you said, Ringworms fucking just threw it down. Oh man, you you know, I became an instant fan, just like you did. That
1: was nuts. Um, yeah, I went and put you know, put all their shit in my playlist, yeah. Um, fucking. Uh, I was even going to go get a shirt if they had a 3X, but they didn't. So <laughs> I, I went to their web store and they oh, had right. 4X, which is even better. <laughs> you know. Th- so they love the fat guys. Shout out to them for that. And I got right. one.
0: And that day was Florida Frank's birthday. And yes, he, it was. That's right. And he used to be in Ringworm as well. That's That's right. He did. Yes. So that this is, is just all tied together.
1: All tied together.
0: Yeah. But so... Yeah, there's a mini review on those two. I don't know why we didn't say that earlier, when we were talking about the show. And also, I want to say I felt kind of dumb after asking that question to Matt about the, you know, playing the songs from the first album yeah. when they did it recently. Because I didn't, i either I completely forgot or didn't know that he was in the band once before he came back. Really? Like when he said, you know, he he had done a stint. That's right. When they were touring the first album for like three years or whatever, gotcha. four years. You know, because they had like four or five drummers before they solidified that spot with him. Yeah, you know, in like two thousand one or so. So yeah. Anyway, <laughs> there you go. There's my ignorance coming through. Hey man, you're not <laughs> ignorant. You're badass. Oh, thanks. Well, I try. Well, yeah. If this is your first time listening, we appreciate it. And like we said, we didn't. We mentioned Ryan Neff from Miss May I. We've also had on. Pustilus Maximus from Gore, yes. his alter ego, Brent Ferguson, who is also in the band US Bastards. That's Last right. time Gore came to town, <coughs> talked to him, which is really cool. Hey, we've also had, you know, if you like Hate I bet you like Superjoint. Oh yeah. We've had on a couple different guys from that band, one of which is Jimmy Bauer, That's who's right. also in I Hate God. He's also in Down. Which, speaking of down, we've had on Kirk Winstein from Crowbar twice. I mean,
1: come on. Yeah. We just had Tim Salt from Clutch. That's right. Go you know, check that out. Kevin Martin from Candlebox. You know, I mean, fucking Frank Hannon from Tesla. I mean, there's something for yeah. everybody.
0: Yeah, both Mike Dean and Reed Muller from COC. Tommy Victor from Prong. Like we said earlier, Biff Byford from Saxon. Yes, Um, Gumby and Tony from Battlecross, we've had on them two combined four times now. I think so. Yeah. We've had on guys from Scattered Hamlet four times as well. That's right. I think the leader on our podcast is Mike DiPetrillo (laughs) at five, I believe. Yes, I think so. Yeah, either by himself or with his band. That's right. Or with Scott Bond from Death Grip. Exactly. His um, band being Driver, I should mention, <laughs> and also he's in First Strike as well. well we
1: had Tommy Victor from Prong, C.J. Pierce from Drowning Pool. That's right. Uh, I mean, Jared James Nichols, that was a great one.
0: That is true. So, I mean, yeah. we had it, on Jason Todd, the original guitarist for Shinedown. That's right. we on David Elfson, the original bassist for Megadeth current bassist from Megadeth. Yes. Chris oh. Broderick, the fifth or sixth guitarist from Megadeth. And have you ever heard of Gene Simmons? No. What's he doing?
1: He plays bass in Kiss. You didn't know that? No. He was on this show.
0: Oh, cool. Yeah, that's cool. I'll check that out. You should. Yeah. You really should. Bruce Kulik was formerly of Kiss. He was also on this podcast. And just this past week at the Kiss Cruise, which Florida Frank from Hatebreed was on. That's right. He joined... The current members of KISS on stage, as did Ace Freely. That Yeah, I know. What do you think? That is that alluding to something, you I think? I believe so. On a lot of these shows at the Weesh. End of the Road tour, might the- see something similar.
1: I hope so, because I guess these fuckers are expensive as hell. Everyone's They're not. saying, I've, I don't know. I haven't really looked deep into
0: it. So. People just are dumb and they post shit on Facebook like, holy shit, this ticket's 800 bucks, but it's a resale ticket. Uh, well, yeah, yeah, You know when the actual tickets range from 26 to like 120 uh, or something? I see, I see, oh, I so. see.
1: Yeah, that's why Metallica Nose Week tickets were automatically double what they were advertised. Yeah. Like the minute they went on sale.
0: Yeah, because it's just... If you just Google that shit and you don't look at what you're clicking on, you're not clicking on the right link. And then even if you go to Ticketmaster, there's also resells on there if you're not paying attention. So
1: Yeah. Anyway. I mean, if you
0: Google something and you click on the first
1: thing, it's probably an ad. Yeah. And so that means you're going to get fucked right in your b-hole. Right. Okay. I just said fucked, but I wouldn't say butthole. What the fuck is wrong with me? <laughs> fuck. <laughs> But no, it's the yeah. truth. I mean, if you if you just, oh, okay, I'll just click on this first thing. It looks legit. It's probably not legit. So pay attention. That's right.
0: Well, like we mentioned early on, Kicks. we recorded a podcast with Steve Whiteman and Mark Schenker. Yes. And the three other members also chimed in as well. So all five members of Kicks coming up on this podcast here in the next couple of weeks. Be on the lookout. We've also had on... Two of the members from Julian who are also both founding members of the band Orgy. They're coming up. Yep. That's right. That was a good one. And then we've also got two of the members of Wither, who will be celebrating their final show here coming up at the end of the month, November 30th, at the Vanguard, along with our buddies in Sign of Lies, Reliance Code, and The Normandies.
1: That's going to be a great show. I can't wait for that one. That is.
0: That's four solid bands that you don't want to miss if you're in the Tulsa area. We will be there. We will. And what else we got coming up this weekend? Are you going to non-point? Is yes. Is that definite? Yes. Yeah, I might we, be.
1: Um, we got our tickets. Okay. We are going to non-point in Oklahoma City.
0: Okay. Non-point an Islander. will be yes. there this Saturday night in Oklahoma City area. So,
1: And I may or may not see you there.
0: Yeah. Hit us up. Hit up Jason. Hit up me maybe. You know, we've got stickers. There you go. Bracelets, that kind of stuff. Oh, yeah. We'll have them. Yeah. So, yeah. All this stuff is at thethunderunderground.com. You can buy merch. You can listen to these podcasts. You can read reviews. You can also send us your music or your albums for a year or whatever at theethanunderground at gmail.com. You can also send us a few bucks a month at patreon.com. Definitely get into that. Or you can listen on SoundCloud, YouTube, Google+, iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, all that great stuff. And every Monday night on 1027WSNR.com. At 7 p.m. Central, 8 p.m. Eastern. I think that covers it for this week, right? I think we're good. All right. Until next time.
3: Thunder Underground, y'all.